I'm so happy because we get to start with good news this week. Uh, Sarah Logan's having a baby. That's so good. Renee's recovered from COVID. I'm so fucking happy this week. Wrestling gave us a gift. There were two good wrestling shows Wednesday night. No, no fuck ups. It's a good time to be alive, baby. Uh. Oh, whoops. Lana's parents both damn have COVID. It. God damn it. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's this fuck. that Matt Riddle just posted? Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Welcome to Fight Boys, a show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. I am your host, the bad boy of podcasting, the push-up king of Chicago, Scotty Moore. And the beach bum, Blake Tanner. How y'all doing? Uh, I'm aware that all of those nicknames are, in fact, fictitious. I, hey, I spent the last five days at the beach. Thank you. I'm happy you broke Blake out of the energy that he was trying to start the show with. I'm very happy you did that for us, Dylan. Uh, So (laughs) wrestling, it happened this week, and actually in good ways, other than Rey Mysterio wanting to rip a guy's eyes out. But uh, outside of that... We'll get to that later. (laughs) But uh, I actually watched both NXT and AEW yesterday, so... I got to enjoy just a good fucking night. Like, there were moments where I did have to, like, choose my side. That was the problem, is they did not structure it easily for me to, like, swap channels. Because there would be, like, a Robert Stone segment, and then at the same time, it'd be, like, Janela versus Lance Archer. And I'm like, I don't want to see any of these. But then I'd have to deal... With Gargano versus Swerve, and then FDR Bucks Lucha Bros match. Why would you not want to watch Joey Janela versus Lance Archer? That sounds like the clear winner. <laughs> you want to see? You want to see a man that chain smokes and drinks throw his body against the literal like embodiment of "fuck you die." I thought Janela. <laughs> I thought Janela was trying to quit smoking. Oh yeah! Not after that match, dude. He took a fucking beating. I would need a recovery cigarette. (laughs) I need. I love this concept that Joey Janela has a little tin in the back called recovery cigarettes, and after every shitty match, he has to dig into one of them to recover. (laughs) Uh, I don't. I don't know, man. Like, so they did similar numbers for Wednesday, which is actually really surprising because there was no championship match. On, on AEW, and then literally the championship unification match happened, and they only won by, like, 30,000. Yeah, especially since, like, last week, NXT just dominated, didn't they? No, it it, it was about the same numbers. numbers. No, no, no. AEW was in the 600s last week. Oh, what, were they? It was a, it was a bad beating. No, no, they were in the higher sevens. It was, it was a, their numbers stayed the same. AEW shot up 100,000. Like... Off of Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. It's so good, though. Did you see the promotional pictures that they did with uh, each, with each of them in the other's um, gear? That was fucking great. Jericho did just look like a leather a leather man, and I'm not talking about like his outfit. Listen, I I want you to know that that uh, I believe in like in kayfabe. That is how Chris Jericho actually dresses when he shops. <laughs> Uh, that's a Tampa Bay look right there. I would believe you if you said, "Yeah, he throws on a jean jacket, some jeans, some white t- white t shirt, and shoes." Hits the hits the denim daddy. <laughs> God, uh, I, I please never say those words in that order ever again. I do have a theory, a mental theory, when it comes to Keith, the Keith Lee match, and I think it's, I think they wanted that spoiler to get out because oh yeah, the end of it because that's like. I mean, the the Keith Lee match, I want to talk about it later, um, but, like, it was, okay. it was probably the only thing that I saw, but it it made it feel so much better actually watching it, knowing what happened, you know? Yeah, well, not only that, it's, it's, a, it's almost like the Mick Foley thing back in the 90s. Oh, Mick Foley's winning the title, that'll put butts in seats. Everyone fucking swapped over, though, because they, they loved Mick Foley and they wanted to see him win. Everybody loved Keith Lee. 
I know I I I didn't I closed the fucking window of AEW. I'm like I don't need to deal with this anymore. I know where my eyes are going to be, and it's going to be on Keith Lee in this match. One of my favorite lines from the Keith Lee match, and I, this is the last thing I'll say about Lee, uh, but. It is the fact that, like, halfway through the match, Cole was on the get ground, and Keith Lee apparently was just treating this like a fun walk in the park, because he stands on the second rope, looks at the audience, and just goes, I must break him. And I'm like, are you fucking quoting Rocky Four in the middle of the biggest title match of your career, Keith Lee? That's why I fucking loved it. Stop, we can't talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. Alright, so... So here's here's the thing. Uh, I have I have one prevailing theory regarding NXT versus uh, AEW, and perhaps why it might affect things. Uh, one is that AE our NXT has a lot of, of pretty good matches. AEW has prevailing storylines. Like, like, continuous storylines. The, the Cole Cabana thing is coming to a head. Also, Cole Cabana wrestled with, like, a giant-ass bruise on, like, half of his goddamn torso. Because he's a champion. I watched him do, and, uh, uh, I watched him on Twitch after that show. And he was acting like it, the show wasn't pre-recorded. He was like, yeah, yeah, I just hopped in the car and drove to Chicago after that match. And I was like, you got a fast fucking car. And then he was like, yeah, guys, I'm not feeling too well. I got jumped in the back. And I'm like, wait, what the f- You just gonna keep the fabe, ain't you? You gonna do it. Yeah. The, uh... But there's there's that. Even the, even the like, you know, all the matches had a story. Like, even the private party versus Kenny and Omega furthers the Matt Hardy being the manager of private party angle. Like, every everything has a purpose in that show. They might not be the best ratings draw, but you know every match that happens is going somewhere. It's a piece in the puzzle. NXT will just have shit to have. Like, Gargano versus Swerve, that's a great match, but that's like a PWG match. We're like, okay, now what? Nothing? All right, well, shit. Yeah, yeah, Well, they did have to kind of build this card up last minute, minute I think. Because I think if that's I... That's rec- their own fault. Yeah. That's, that's them for thinking, hey, we're just gonna... It's like next week where they're like, they're blowing the Tegan versus EO match like a week after it happened because AEW announced their title match. Like, AEW isn't doing this with NXT. NXT is doing all of this because of AEW, and that's not how you want to build this. Yeah, and it's not that I... It's not that I hated Keith Lee versus Adam Cole. It was a very good match. There was no story behind it. It was full on, hey, Keith Lee's in this match now. Let's fucking go. Like, that was it. There was not a long-storied history between Cole and Keith Lee. No, and I understand, like, I I understand that, um, the idea that the best kind of wrestling is when you have a long-standing story behind it, but sometimes... And this is what WWE does best. It's their moments thing, um, quote unquote. But like when you see that moment of Keith Lee just doing the damn thing, it kind of makes it like important in a different way. Not to say that I think it's better, but I think that it's just like that's what they're going for with their business strategy. It's not a strategy. I swear to God, there's no strategy. Well, no, no, there is the strategy. I feel like they can't do it. No, because they used to have it. Before it went to live TV, back when it was taped, they had it. For the love of God, Scotty and I were there. We were at a taping where a storyline fucking happened while we were there. Nothing like that has happened since they've gone to live TV. And it's because there was no planning when it started. They're almost a year in. They're still flying by the seat of their pants. Well, it's it, there is a strategy. There was a strategy to give Keith Lee the title. And the strategy was, oh, fuck, Karrion Cross is a heel. I don't want to do a heel versus heel match. So let's quickly put the title on Keith Lee. So then you could have Lee versus Karrion Cross, two big boys go at it. Because they didn't want to have to do Cole. Like, that's the only reason for this. Not that I don't love Keith Lee. And not that I don't believe that this was his spot. But I think it was fast forwarded because they wanted Carrion to have a good storyline. Yes, which is like they where you take an audience favorite and you give them the moment, and then you do the thing you wanted to do at the end. Huh? Where have I heard that before? Yeah. The uh, 
Da-da. <laughs> Da-da. Go listen to Wrestling History X. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say, I will say, if we're going to talk about stories, there is one story NXT is very good at building right now and is... I'm not calling him by his dumb WWE name. It's Rockstar Spud versus the fucking Legato Del Fantasma. Because that peppy little spit fuck started that match off mad. He was like, I'm starting the match. I'm starting, like, staring down Escobar. Like, you're gonna start it with me. We're gonna go together. And you can see, like, Fandango looking at him like, hey, dude, calm the fuck down. No. Chill. And, like, any time he got in the ring, um, like, Maverick would hit a move on whoever was in the ring, then just stare at Escobar, like, are we gonna fucking do this? Or are we gonna fucking do this? And it built it up to this amazing fever pitch of, oh, he has to make a tag to Escobar. Oh, Maverick's getting the tag. And then Maverick just beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Oh, you mean you mean long term storytelling made a better moment? Yeah. What? What? Oh. I know. I, we we were saying NXT's bad at it. I was saying there is one time that they're good at it, and they literally had to fire a man to get it. Hold on, <laughs> yeah, they, they only had to exploit firing multiple people, <laughs> not just the one man, even multiple people. Yeah, okay, that's. No, you know how invent or how serious AEW is about it. They had Taz bring up shit from nineties ECW. <laughs> yeah, that I actually understood when it happened, and I was like, "That actually is really cool." And if and anybody watching would be like, "What the fuck?" Is it? Google. Then they learn how fucking cool Taz is because that was a fucking awesome run. Oddly enough, some symmetrical to what i'm doing or what my character is doing in jwf <laughs> i i i want y'all to take me through that real quick because i read about it and i saw what y'all were posted and i'm i didn't watch wrestling in the 90s and i'm so fucking lost go on dylan yep, meh. yeah all right cool so in the 90s uh back when shane douglas was champion he was injured and was ducking uh taz who was the tv t- title holder at the time uh therefore in order to continue to like, you know, keep Taz in the main event picture, he rebranded himself as the Fuck the World Champion or the FTW Champion. Um, had a belt, an old ECW TV title belt that he redid, looked terrible, but it was the, it was the, it was the nineties in ECW, so fucking par for the course. And he defended that thing like on and off. He lost to Sabu and then Sabu, took the title and just put a piece of duct tape that said Sabu over where Taz was, and that was a thing. And then after Shane Douglas came back, Taz won the belt, yada, yada, yada. So it goes. It's basically the FTW championship is a declaration of I am the real champion. Yeah. You are not. And that was weird, because, like, they said, oh, Taz is making a major announcement. And I don't know why it clicked in my head but I immediately said, oh, he's going to make Cage the FTW champion. But here's what I think. And I think I already said this in the chat. I think this was supposed to happen at Fight for the Fallen. And then Mox had to move a week forward. And Tony Khan just said, well, we're going to copy paste what happens next week. Do it this week. And then next week we could just have it say champ versus champ. Because I don't hate this idea. I love this idea of Brian Cage being the FTW champion. But it is a very good heel move to, like, say Moxley wins through shitty means or something. Then you could come no, out that'll, as... That'll still, that'll still happen. And that's why he'll be like, and this is why this is the real... Yeah, yeah. Like, it can work... Tony's right, it can work either way. Sorry. Yeah, you know, what I, I what I really want to know is how much empathy did you feel in that copy paste mentality being oh, your no, own no, type no. of booker? Oh no no, I refuse to copy paste because in my mind I'm like, no 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 because to me that is a reactionary move. It is not a preliminary it is a reaction to what happens during the match. It is a if we're going into Booker mindset, it is a heel saying, I didn't win that title, 
But you know what? No, fuck you. I'm so good. I don't need that title. I need my own title to say how bad of a fucking man I am. And so that way everyone at home can be like, no, what the fuck? It's, it's, it's delusions of grandeur turned up to a million. It's the same thing with the million dollar belt. It is he used his money to get somewhere. So, so, you know, you know what happens in the bad version of, of that mentality? You get the new United States championship. No, God. we can't talk about that one either. Yeah, we can't talk about that one yet. I do want to... This is the last bit of WWE news I want to talk about, and it's my favorite Pokemon evolution. And it's if you give Shayna Baszler a Firestone, she turns into Mercedes Martinez, because holy shit! She... I, what makes me mad, I don't... I think they're not going to handle her as well as they did Shayna, but they should. Like, M- Martinez came into that match, and I can't remember who she was Isn't fighting. Isn't Martinez in her late 30s as well? Yeah. But, like, oh, God, who was she fighting? I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head, because she's all... Santana. She was- Santana. Santana She's fighting someone else who was also, like, a well-known name. But Garrett would, like, do a- anything to try to get some offense. And, you know, a normal heel would be like, oh, no, that hurt. Martinez would just look at her like, you're gonna die now. You realize that, right? You, Her face said you fucked up. The crowd didn't need to say it. She said it with her face. And I just want her, I, I need her to be pushed harder than she is. I, I, uh, that actually ties into my, my thing for our end discussion, that idea. Hey, there we go. Oh, cool. <laughs> So are we are we just like trying to push everything we want to talk about this week to the end? Ah, pretty much. I think that's I think that's everything. Uh, except for the RO the Impact uh, match that's happening. Uh, if you watch the promo for the four way where you don't know who the last person is, Ace Austin is a future superstar in an, in either Impact or another com- company. He's what happens when Matt Taven is actually good. Yeah, yes. he's very good. Because I'm like, oh, is this, this looks like Matt, no, Matt Taven can't talk this well. <laughs> yeah, Matt yeah. Matt Taven can talk pretty, Matt Taven can talk pretty well. This guy, like, just oozed, like, twice as much charisma just, and looked three times as smarmy. It was yeah. amazing. And is uh, a better athlete. And then, also, if we do want to talk about AEW... That fucking FTR Young Bucks match. Like, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch all of it because I got pulled in for- By your own choice. By my own choice of being, you're like, I haven't seen Swerve in action in a while. Let's see what Swerve can do. And very good match. I will not say- That was a very, very good match. And afterwards, Johnny Gargano did make a sex joke and it made me very happy. But then, like today, I'm browsing through Instagram and Nick said, this is probably the scariest bump I've ever took. And I was like- I don't remember seeing anything when I would flip past that looked that scary. And then I just see Phoenix run at a motherfucker and then Canadian destroy him into a pile of humanity. And I said, oh, I made the wrong choice on this one. <laughs> and then like fucking Nick and Phoenix jumping up the ropes and then Nick hurricane running him into the middle of the ring and me going, ah, damn it, son of a bitch. I all the cool, all the cool shit that uh, that FTR did, and like all the yeah, no, you're you were wrong. You are. Did, wait, you did were you right in the <laughs> what you posted in the chat earlier? Three of the best tag teams of this generation. Oh no, no, no! That was not me. That was a Tony Schiavone call because Tony Schiavone was looking at that ring where you had the Young Bucks, FTR, the Lucha Bros. Fourth entrant in match, <laughs> and Tony was like, "These are the three best tag it's teams." The fucking, today. <laughs> it's the fucking Gilligan entrance from like the early seasons, where it's like, "Here's the important characters and the rest." <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing is, is that like they did really well, like Butcher and Blade did. But uh, okay, now I'm getting, I'm getting uh, uh, sidetracked. No, the Impact uh, Slammiversary, yeah, that's probably going to be pretty good. So have we? Um, last week, did y'all talk about um, those good brothers in Impact? Oh yeah, 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 we did. Yeah, how they signed and they're going to go to Japan. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see them. They'll probably show up at this and challenge the North after uh, after their match. It'll definitely take me from, like, watching clips of Impact to trying to watch more regularly, 
That's Especially one of those things. If Are they, they still let on them... Twitch? Oh no, they're on they're on uh, Axis that I don't have. All right, well. I just hope they let them be them because uh, that's still one of my favorite quotes about Gallows is Gallows could be a world heavyweight champion if any company knew what to do with him. But no one knows what to do with Luke Gallows, who's looking jacked as hell, by the way. I'm hoping that Impact, like, with their track record previously, like, with allowing for more creative control, like, creativity, maybe... Oh no, ever since, ever since, uh, freaking Don Callis and the guy who, I, I keep forgetting his name, though I know who the fuck he is. Think about um, me, Scott DeMore. <laughs> oh yeah, Scott DeMore. Ever since they took over, creative control has been, some of their best, like, work has been happening, and like, like, I can't see them not allowing that, like, they haven't been shoehorning anyone. The, one thing you won't hear about Impact right now is, man, I can't believe they're making somebody do this stupid character. If somebody has a stupid character like Johnny Swinger, it's because they 100% believe in that stupid character and they're going to sell their heart and soul on it. I think they learned to not fuck with that with Matt Hardy. Like, this is a dumb idea. It is a dumb idea that prints so much money, though. Like, that's what they yeah. learned. Well, that was um, that was that was the best thing that happened after, like, that whole breakup and everything and them slowly building. Like, I can't wait to see after yeah. Slammiverse. I'm with Blake. I, I might have really, to see what's going on. I, I'm really excited for uh, if they do that old – you remember when that one week happened where they did Impact but like in the 80s and you had all the different guys? The, oh, that is made for fucking Sex Ferguson and Chad Too Bad to come out, baby. They'll do that more regularly. It, except he would be – it would be Sex Ferguson and Bad to Chad. Bad to Chad. Uh, no, Chad, he, I think he actually actually does own the copyright to t- Chad Too Bad because he had it before. Yeah, no, he, I think... he, no, that was his original ring name was Chad Too Bad. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know that. And the, and the Too Bad Kick. <laughs> <laughs> I think they released a shirt though that says "Rest in Peace, Tex Ferguson, Chad Too Bad." Uh, before we go to the next segment, we do need to talk about my favorite boy of all time, Kota Fucking Abushi who somehow had two Buckwild stories come out in one week about him. The first would say when he was, I can't remember what show he was at, but it was a WWE branded show back when he was with the no, Cruiserweight. No, no, it was the Cruiserweight Classic. It was, it was, and he was talking about, he goes, I went backstage and I high-fived a big man. The big man was Vincent Kennedy fucking <laughs> McMahon. And that's why I love Coda so much, is he like, I saw this big man, I high-fived him. And uh, Kenny, Kenny saw that and he retweeted it and he goes, huh, amazing that he's not afraid of the authority figures in the company. That's so bizarre. Think about where he might have worked to teach him that. I'm like, it's very good. But I then, mean, you need, to, you need to understand that Kota Ibushi is the man that turned down his first New Japan contract to wrestle in front of 30 people at Kaiju Big Battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like, then I th- it's I think, all about the all the journey for him. He is yeah, and I think Meltzer retweeted it as well, and he just said this story is a hundred percent accurate. And that's my favorite thing about Meltzer is when he's like, no, 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 that happened. But then, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's like when we tell Blake what he did when he was drunk. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but then Kota Ibushi, uh, the Vegas memories. Kota Ibushi, I don't. He just illustrated how he lives a 25-hour life, and it was the most bizarre two minutes of footage. Because you have Tanahashi there looking like a Grecian god, making me realize, like, oh, that's, when I start working out, that's my goal. And it's just Ibushi sitting there going, yeah, I wake up at 8 a.m. every single day, and then I go to bed at 12, and then I wake up at 9. No, I go to bed at 12, wake up at 8, and then the following day I go to bed at 1, and I wake up at 9. (laughs) And then they're like, wait, when did you wake up today? He's like, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It's just him illustrating the fact that somehow he thinks every day is 25 hours. He was like, sometimes it's rough when there's a show, but outside of that, I'm good. So, um, it's like the people where they don't sleep, they just take 30-minute naps every however many hours. Oh, yeah, the the Uberman sleep cycle. Yeah, so, um, also, uh, Kota Ibushi is a great 
great uh, example of wrestling is art because that is like high end painter level of batshit insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like, is was... that man's paintings would sell for billions if they if he was a painter. You can't tell me otherwise. There was a part of me that's like, oh, this is just a fun goof, and then as it went on and he kept explaining it, I was like. Oh, he's 100% genuine right now. This is just how he lives his life. I don't doubt that at all. Not a moment. Not a moment. <laughs> that man, that's the man that, that was told, hey, if you moonsault off this balcony, we'll ban you from this arena, and did it anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, man. so it's time for uh, for you to plug our Patreon. Yes, patreon.com slash a load of that's the website where you could go. You could support. Where you could go to sell. You you could go to support the BS boys, and you get access to exclusive content like wrestling history X, like Blake was mentioning earlier, or watch me and Blake react to really old episodes of JWF. You get to see me and his fresh faces when we were in college, and it's horrifying to watch every time. And if you want that, you can get it at patreon.com slash a load of BS. No like. Blake is an idiot, but, like, his fucking Daniel Bryan Wrestling History X is my favorite one we've released. Also, because- uh, seeing young Scotty makes makes you realize that current Scotty... You know that line uh, that... That John Cena has, like, somebody's like, oh, Mark Wahlberg over here. I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) That's what you look like now. You look like you ate younger you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm fine with that. (laughs) Yeah, I realized listening to Blake's Wrestling History X that I'm kind of like the Cody Rhodes of that show because I was like, I gotta plan everything out. I gotta make sure everything goes into its place. Meanwhile, Blake was like, I'm just gonna sit here and talk about william regal for a few minutes there was one bit where blake just stopped just stopped talking and said scotty please play william regal's i'm i'm a man theme song and i'm like well he told me to do it let's throw it in such a murder (laughs) that's how that's how i've learned to ask for edits in anything that's fair. Uh, so I suggested, even though we did it last week, that we uh, tweet at Serpentico again. One, to apologize for fucking with him. And two, because he had a legit 15-minute match with Scorpio Sky that made me a fan of both Scorpio Sky, who I was not a fan of before, not, not really a fan, and him. Because he made me believe that he might actually win. Yeah, because... This might be the most we've ever gotten from one of our tweets, which is, of course, last week where we tweeted, good to see you're aligning yourself with Luther, can't wait to see him use you as a projectile in a death match, at which point he retweeted us just saying, what? <laughs> just what? Yeah, so, be, so uh, hold on. Here, I can tell you what to do. Uh, at Serpentico, sorry uh, for fucking with you last week. Uh, great match. Uh, on Dark this week, you are now our you're our new favorite undercard uh, guy in AEW. He's replaced I, I, Lee Johnson. I'm I'm gonna be tactical about this because I feel like if we do that, it's gonna be weird. But I feel like if we just say this has become an official King Serpentico Stan account, it might get us somewhere closer. That's fine. It's my name's not on that account. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um. But that was a that was a really I know Lee Johnson stopped wrestling and I think it's because he got to zero and twelve and they're like if we have him keep wrestling every week he's gonna outpace Avalon and Cutler and we can't in storyline have that. Also, Michael Nakazawa won a match. Yeah, that's yeah. all. Oh yeah, he he used his I take my man thong and shove it in in your face way of winning uh, and having Taz call that was great. I, that I, the was only, uh, everything the, I wanted. The only part of that match I saw was when Michael was about to use the baby oil again, and Aubrey rushed forward like he was holding a fucking bomb and <laughs> ripped it out of his hands and threw it. Yeah, yeah, you did that shit. It was great. I, the only thing that makes me sad about Lee Johnson is now we don't have enough material for what I wanted, which was Dylan to record an entire episode of Wrestling History X all about the failing career of Lee Johnson in AEW. 
AEW Dark. It wasn't failing. Like, it's, it's one of those ones where, like, I honestly think they'll have him back at some point. It was just he literally worked three months straight every week. He was on Dark or Dynamite. Like, there's no way they don't at least pick him back up again. If not, if so, like, like he must have done some stupid shit backstage or, like, really pissed somebody off. Because he's... He, I like that Dylan's there. like, he wasn't failing 0-12 record. I was talking kayfabe, but no, yeah, no, oh, I see okay, where you're oh, okay. look, look, sometimes there's failing, like, not getting over with the crowd or anything, and sometimes there's, like, there's failing... There's falling with style. Oh, also, Brian Pillman Jr. is amazing. Fuck yeah. Didn't we meet him? No, we didn't meet him, but we looked at him at awe at the double or nothing after party. Oh yeah, looked at the looked at the glory that is his mullet. Yeah, yeah. Up close and personal. Oh, All right. I know the perfect uh, comparison. Sometimes there's failing, and sometimes there's Heath Slater failing. Oh man! Where you fail so bad, you get fired after twelve years and then brought back. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, I love how WWE was like. You know, some people didn't like it when we put firing people into a storyline. A la Drake Maverick. Let's fucking do it again <laughs> with Slater. One more time, please. Anyway, uh, you want to go heels or faces first? Let's do heels. Okay. Uh. I'll go. I'll go first. Uh, yeah. You well, No, I think yours has the most meat on its bones. Uh, I'll go first because mine's right. not a heel. My well, I mean, it is. It's just two people who, much like in the past when we've brought an MJF or a Randy Orton, just a heel that's so good at healing. That's that's who I've brought, and it's Sasha Banks and fucking Bailey. Because, God, they're so good. They've taken it to an amazing level of annoyance to a point where, like, uh, like after they won the tag team, we talked about it on the show, after they won the tag team championships, saying we're going to go cry in our hotel rooms right now about this, to, um, I, I can't remember who, I think it was Booker T, and Booker T kind of tore down Bailey. He was like, Bailey's not great at anything. But she's good at everything. And so then Sasha... And as a heel, you could easily take it too far. You could go like, hey, fuck you, old man. I'm gonna punch you in the dick. Instead, Sasha was like, we're a better tag team than Harlem Heat. Dig that, sucker. And it's just nothing but her talking about other tag teams they're better than. (laughs) Ah. That Uh, is good. I really love a good, like heel of the week that's actually just a good heel wrestler. You know what I mean? Unlike yours? Like, unlike mine, which is the fucking terrible new US championship. <laughs> um, WWE is now 0 and 3 in the last three out of their last three belts. The women's tag belts are okay, and then the universal title is licorice. So, like, really, they're they're one for five on decent belts. The IC, IC's not bad. No, given the lineage of that belt, that thing is fucking butt ugly. From from the moment that they started doing, like, rainbow-colored straps is when I was just like, uh, just give me a good black or white strap, please. Which, I mean, the new U.S. Championship does, it's just... It's the raised lettering. It's the raise. It's the reverse typewriter lettering. That's yes. I I know what you mean on that one because it it it's like they took it and they said with this championship, let's take the good stuff and get rid of it, and let's add too much. Like it is the try hard championship design. Let's make it look like someone's class ring. <laughs> it looks like Which is- so. So um. And this is a bit, bit of an aside. So in I went to uh, the Czech Republic, whatever, long ago. On In Pilsen, there's a uh, street called America Street where they celebrate America. And there's a statue there and on a pillar. And on one side, there's the Czech, like, national seal. And on the other is the American. The Czech one is just like a lion head, like a lion, like, standing up. Looks really cool. The American one is so motherfucking gaudy in comparison, and that's how I feel about this title. They took everything gaudy about the United States, <laughs> put it on a leather strap, and said, here, p- 
put this on. Like, which honestly, if if you want something that does just like embody how decadent the U.S. is, like put it on that. It's that fucking title right there. You and couldn't make it. They didn't even make it red, white, and blue. Really, like they could have really like white strap, red like lettering, like blue. Any nope. I honestly think that if you put a white strap on this belt, it would look ten times better. No, white white is for women now, remember? All the women's belts have white straps. Oh, that sucks. That sucks so much. I I also like, it's the same thing where... I ruined it for you, didn't I? Ruined the, everything. <laughs> the specific eagle that's used, like... Nope. I know it's the one that's used on, like, the, the seal of like, our currency and stuff, but it just, to me, looks like a reverse seal of the Nazi flag, and I'm not okay with it. It really, it looks like that, or there's, like, the one Russian one. I thought the eagle had two heads and it was a Russian belt. I really did. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, to me, it's like, oh, yeah, that eagle has been tainted like the swastika, because it used to be a Buddhist sign of peace, and then Hitler ruined it, like he ruined the eagle. Like he ruined the old BS Network logo. <laughs> we're we're moving away from this now to my Ah, uh, yes, that's that's why the, the paintings mind you change. Anyway, we're moving on to my hero of the week, which is You guys went into Nazis, congratulations, that's where I cut you off. We now know the line. Uh so Extreme Rules is happening next Sunday, not this Sunday, like I originally thought, and WWE has gone like debauched Roman Emperor with what extreme means for Extreme Rules. Like the, you literally have to take your opponent's eye out match. And like, there's one, what's the one other, the Swamp Yard, what's the Swamp Yard one called? It's just, it, it's basically gonna be that fucking, you remember the Randy match that Bray had where they fought through that shitty you mean the, the wor- House you of mean Horrors the, or whatever? the worst of the cinematic matches? Yeah, it's gonna be that, but in a swamp, I think. So at one point, fucking Bray's gonna come out and be like, Dunk it! It's let me it's let like me let one... me walk this back then. So this is now this is now what extreme is. And before extreme was like ladder match, like TLC match. We're gonna put a bunch of really talented competitors in things at the very beginning, and then John Cena happened. But like they're not they're not even trying. <laughs> yeah. It's because they wanted to add... I don't know why they wanted to add the subtitle The Horror Show. I guess it's to appeal to people being like, oh, this Swamp Match is going to be basically a horror movie, but wrestling. And I think that's why they added it. And then they realized, oh no, that's now defining the whole fucking show. And I don't mean Rob Van Dam, which means that all the matches have to be spooky now. I think that, like, WWE is taking the pendulum too far in the cinematic wrestling direction right now. You mean because, how they like, do everything? Yes. That's all they can do at this point, and it's kind of like, oh, no, they're gonna ruin it. It also reminds me of how, like, you know, in another universe, another company would have, like, backed off of that. Like, if you had a pay-per-view named Excessive Force, <laughs> if you had all of these problems... With pr- police brutality in the world, and you decided to rename it. We're <laughs> just gonna casually. As exquisite force. Eccentric force. Thank you, Dylan. So, wait, what other. Are we thinking maybe uh, Bailey versus. Or no, Sasha versus Asuka, and maybe like a grim grinning ghosts match? <laughs> Is there gonna be perhaps. I don't Sheamus? know. I don't know, but I can, I can guarantee you that that match ends with with Miss Spray, either Bailey or, like, Sasha does it as, like, a ha-ha, or, like, just Asuka does it normally as a, like, I'm I'm Asuka. Um, uh, well, anyway, I, go ahead. I, for one, cannot wait for the greasy, grimy go-for-guts match. So, that's Man, gonna be really, a great... You, you really ruined my transition into my baby face. Thanks for that. Oops. Yeah. Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy in a lycanthropy match. First one to turn <laughs> into a werewolf loses. <laughs> They hiring Matt Hardy as a producer now? <laughs> the fuck? Uh, Borash is working on the swap match, though. They are getting Borash, which is the only saving grace I think they have for it. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
just let's talk about something something good. Um, all right, actually, here speaking of that pay per view because mine's the only one that deals with that. So uh, the Kabuki Warriors are back, and it made me very happy. Uh, one because um, Kyrie got the win. Two, you, you, we found out recently that Kyrie's probably got like a year left, and then she's going to retire. Um, which makes me very sad. It makes me cherish this time for the Kabuki Wars even more. Uh, and three, Kyrie spent the time off where she was like injured, learning how to play the recorder and play the Kabuki Warriors theme music while Asuka looked legitimately impressed, but was like, okay, back up, back up. Okay, we're off screen now. All right. It was, it was, it was just, it was so, it was so great and adorable. And you really get the sense that like, Eo, Kyrie, and Asuka are all like legitimate like friends and fans of each other and like just want each other to succeed. That's why I hope that Kyrie faces Bailey at the pay-per-view and like maybe Kyrie gets a, one one main roster title like match. Just one one-on-one. Yeah. I, it, it makes me really happy because like going back to Asuka's reactions. I don't, like, that's one of those things that you can't teach, but you know exactly how she feels with her reactions. It's like going back to the announcement when she realized that she was the the women's champion. Like, boom, she's right there. It's like, oh my god, wait, you're really pregnant? Holy shit. Um, I, I don't know. Asuka's just one of my favorites now. I mean, she's always been great, but something in the last year has just, like, catapulted her to, like, all-time all-star. Yeah, I've been watching her YouTube channel. It's phenomenal. Just yeah, watching her go do shit. In in kayfabe, she might get to be a PWI uh, Woman of the Year since uh, Becky's out and Charlotte's doing fuck all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Blake, can you, would you like to do your baby face? Because it will lead perfectly into mine. Okay, good. Because I I know you want to talk more about this, and I just. I only wanted to talk about it because how happy it made me to see him win in this fashion. And that is Keith Lee. And that's like, he's just been killing it in NXT recently. Like He did a fucking Spanish fly. He did a fucking Spanish fly. That fucking match was so good. Yeah, and- I know. I was there and I was scared. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Fe- I thought he heard me. I legit yelled, do a Spanish fly. And then he started going for it. And you can ask Scotty. I was legit like, oh, no, no, no. I was joking. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't. Ooh, I thought the ring was going to give out. (laughs) I I was so sad that, like, I was driving during most of that. Like, I was trying to get home from vacation. And I missed it. Um, But, like, seeing all the clips and, like, the actual, you know, most of the match itself, it really feels vindicating for this guy. Like, He's so charismatic and athletic, and he can just fucking murder a dude. Like, he did to Adam Cole. Yeah, and I will say, he does have that same kind of ability that Asuka does, which is, you connect with him throughout the entire match. Like, when he went through that plexiglass, you were like, No! I'm dead! And then you felt the vindication of him, like, Cole went for, I think he was going for the last last shot and then just fuck no no he was going for the panama sunrise and then just gets yeeted into the air spirit bomb and then you're like oh cool and then keith don't care keith don't care fucking big big bang catastrophe which i love the fact that all of his moves are basically just dbz fucking moves Um, Yeah, like, you gotta love that. I think that, like, something that resonates with me, like, with Keith Lee, at least, is... And Asuka, you know, in in that same vein, um, reminded me of the first time I saw Daniel Bryan wrestle. Because, like, his actual, just in-the-ring charisma is so fucking good. Like, you know exactly how he feels with every move that he's doing. And sometimes you'll just hear them yelling something... And it fucking works. And I think that's the best kind of charisma you can have in wrestling. And Keith Lee's fucking got it in spades. And my favorite part about that match is it's, yes, it is a Keith Lee one, but it is not without some fault on the part of Adam Cole. Because Adam Cole's hubris got the best of him, which is my favorite part, because he hits the fucking last shot. 
Keith Lee is dead. And Cole goes, nah, I think I might hit another Panama Sunrise. Gets on the top rope and it takes Keith over three seconds to get up. Meaning, Keith wouldn't have kicked out if Adam had chose to pin him at that moment. But it was Adam Cole's hubris in that moment. Like, this one for me, it got dangerously close to Gargano Champa territory of kickouts. But I think they found a way to fix it, which is have Cole just not pin him. Have Cole say, I've been down this path before. They'll probably just kick out. Let me try something else. It's very good. And, like, I love that kind of ring psychology where you you can only have a certain chemistry with somebody to pull it off really well. Like, the, the you got to wait three seconds before you start to do your next move. And, like, somebody who has that kind of cognizance in the ring and somebody, like, who's able to communicate that with whoever you're in the match with, unless you just, like, map it out perfectly, which, you know, there may be some of that, but I just think those two really worked well together uh, in a match, and I think it it was so fucking good. Keith Lee's just fucking amazing. Like, you were like, it's been recent. I'm like, no, no, dog. Last January was the first time I saw Keith Lee Dominic Dijakovic, and I went, y'all just motherfucking wait for Keith Lee. Y'all just wait, because it's gonna pop off when they realize what they've got. With me, recent in wrestling happens over the last 365 days, so... (laughs) Uh, well, piggybacking off of that, my baby phase of the week is just NXT as a whole. Because NXT, and I mean the performers, I don't mean, like, behind the scenes, the business of it or whatever, but those performers, if you tell them, hey, fucking bring it tonight, they will bring it. Don't matter what spot in the card they are, doesn't matter if it's a match that everyone goes, this won't matter, a la Swerve versus Gargano, doesn't matter where they are, they're gonna fucking bring it. And they brought it to a level that, for me, said, oh, this is a pay-per-view on TV. Whereas on Fighter Fest, I was watching it going like, this feels like an episode of Dynamite that they threw the Fighter Fest name onto. Not that, and I guess it is a fault of mox not being able to wrestle which i know he couldn't control um but when the only match i i honestly think the private party omega uh page match was just thrown at the last minute to be like okay maybe we got something here maybe if we just put one match on the card something will happen and i really like that because it's a subversion of the old rumor that you would hear on wwe like main pay-per-views like if you're not in one of what we consider the main events, you can't be as good as you are. Whereas, like, with NXT, they're just like, go all out. Well, it's also, and I understand, because, like, from a booking mindset, that's so your audience doesn't get exhausted. Like, there is a reason at WrestleMania 30, after Undertaker lost for the first time in the history of WrestleMania, your next match was... Uh, at the time, a Divas eight-woman ma- eight match that no one cared about. It gave the audience time to, okay, calm down, and now we get to come back up for Daniel Bryan. It gives you a wave. But even but NXT is like, yeah, we may only have like a small part on the card, but we're going to bring it. We're not going to overshadow anything, but like they know exactly where to go. Like, Candice and Mia Yim started that show, and they were like, oh, we're the opener, so we gotta get everybody excited, and they started a fucking car crash, so much that, uh, I sw- I literally turned off Private Party versus Paige and Omega, which, by the way, did have a very good spot, which was Omega, I think, went for a clothesline, and then Private Party hit a double Spanish fly. So they both grabbed him. And I was like, at first I thought, like, oh, damn, he turned them both inside out on that clothesline. And then the slam happened, and I went, oh, fuck. And then I turned it over, and Candice LeRae has brass knuckles. And I go, okay, I'm here now. I'm here. I'm here for this. And you they the, just you the fucking bit where brought Candace it. LeRae- Candice LeRae looked at my uh, me and was like, so are uh, you ready for this swinging neck breaker off a table on the top rope onto this literal mountain of chairs? Yeah. Y'all ready for this fucking, 
You ready for this PWG match, motherfucker? Are you ready to give your life for NXT? Like, and then my favorite part was her shirt. Because at first I I thought it just said Slay, and then I realized it was Candice LeSlay. And I was like, that is the best shit! So that was good. Then, I've already said Swerve versus Gargano put on a... That was a career-making match for Swerve. That took Swerve in my mind from one of the cruiserweight guys to... Oh, fucking keep him. He is very good. It's the pants. You just need to wear pants. He's got got weird legs. He needed the tights. (laughs) Understandable. Alright, that was good, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a question for you boys, which is our end of the show discussion. How AEW gonna get back on track? And I know Dylan has said, he's, he was like, I asked this earlier, and he was like, it's waves. They're, they're going to get better, they get worse, they get better. But right now, what would you do to get them back on track? I have a theory that I wanted to shoot out, like, just to see what you guys felt like. And I'm sorry, Dylan, I know. Um, but it's the last just... ten minutes. <laughs> Scotty's going to listen to this audio and realize I've said nothing. I, I just want to no. I want to hear your feedback on this, and it's like AEW has been playing it safe essentially, especially during the pandemic, during all of this going on. Like they have, honestly, what I feel is like they've been pulling their punches because they want to stay safe, as safe as possible, while they're trying to still do a wrestling show. And I think that once they're not. Like, once they don't have to play it safe, they'll be able to kind of ride through and make a bigger wave. So, oh, cool, I can talk now. So, Fuck here's, you. The, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, you know what I think about <laughs> I think you can go to hell. <laughs> they aren't off track. They're on track for where they need to be right now for the fact that they're in a semi-empty arena and all of that. Because, like, I feel like they're tailoring matches to the empty arena now, which they have to kind of do because they're waiting they're, they're waiting this out and they're still providing entertaining matches. Like I said, I was talking to Scotty. The, the numbers were similar, almost similar, despite the fact that, you know, big main event versus, versus nothing. That doesn't mean they're off track. That just, you know, that just means that NXT is bringing it. They're winning their demo, which is important. Like, young people still like AEW. And if they can continue that, they're doing fine. It's just a matter of, like, what can they do different? What can they do to improve? I have one idea that I've had for AEW for, like, three to four months. It could never happen, but I, I'm so in love with it that I have to talk about it. And and that is because Scotty was talking about uh, earlier with, um, oh, not who, who wrestled Santana, Garrett? Oh, uh, Mercedes Martinez. Yeah, Mercedes Martinez has that look of, of death. My one of my favorite lines from about Walter was, like he was like Minoru Suzuki looks like he's enjoying it. Walter just has this dead look in his eyes, and I feel like that's what AEW is missing for their women's division—just a dead, dead-eyed killer. Which is why I, I really wish they would bring alpha female Jesse Gabbard in as that, but then just have her manager be Chris Wolf because they're friends in real life. And like, what do you what do you need? Do you do you need a a a, a like a, a fucking shit eating heel? Just let Chris Wolf talk too long. Like you've seen her energy. I'm pretty sure she knows how to make that annoying. And there's and on the flip side, no one is more beloved in like wrestling circles than Chris Wolf. She's goddamn adorable. She can't wrestle anymore. She's got things. But like, female managers managing female wrestlers doesn't happen at all ever and it's the dumbest thing because like you'll have a female you'll have like selena vega manage so like why wouldn't you manage like somebody like alpha female who's like a not a a pretty limited worker she did uk she got better as far as i'm aware but like yeah do that like just have the diesel Shawn michaels thing except Shawn michaels doesn't wrestle he's just shitty that's that's all I all I want for that, and like I feel like that would be really really good if I ever had Cody Cody Rhodes be like, all right, pitch me. He's like that's the only thing out of all the things I could do, like Chuck Taylor, like TNT title. No, no, bring in these two people. I swear 
It'll at, le- it'll at least generate merch. With me, I I kind of going back to what Blake was saying, which is they're playing it safe, and I think they're playing it too safe. I think they're almost playing it. Yeah, w- we talked about that last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why the best friends don't have the fucking tag titles right now. But I think this is, I think they've had positions to make, they've had positions to make educated risks throughout all of AEW, and they've never taken it, and they've always went with the safe option. Um, and I know he's, like, my perma favorite wrestler, but Hangman Adam Page, if you had given him the title, would they have started, uh, would they have started as hot as they did? I don't think so, but I think it would have got them somewhere farther. I think it would have made it more interesting, or even give it to Kenny, give it to any of these names that allow the internet to not say, oh, AEW just gives titles to uh basically picks up WWE's remnants which is not what they do they pick up talented wrestlers who weren't utilized well in WWE but to the layman it's literally like oh that's that guy who couldn't cut it in WWE so now he's on that if you instead just had like this homegrown star Kenny Omega Adam Page cuz like people are like ah Page is isn't a star yet if you would look he is at now the- Oh, no, even back then, the promos he was cutting ahead of that match, like, he didn't, like the he didn't blood the pouring down his forehead. Like, even he said he wasn't ready for it right then. He was ready for the match, but not the, the weight. It wasn't until he did the, like, the drunk, sad cowboy that he, he did it. As an aside, it's buck wild to me that Kenny hasn't had the AEW championship. That's by his own design. Like, I, I swear to you, he's he's literally, like, we were talking about it, and I, I talked about how much I hate that he only wears the same tights, and at this point, I'm convinced that the reason he does it is that he's trying to go unnoticed as a potential main eventer. Because if Kenny Omega comes out in full Kenny Omega gear, like, he w- would. Kenny Omega, like, in his, like, New Japan gear, just screams, I should be holding the main belt. The belt he has now is very, the outfit he has now is very subdued, so he is, he is speaking sheerly through his work with Paige, which is why they are just an amazing tag team, and why they had that, like, six-star match. So, like, the moment, the moment that breaks up, and he gets moved on there, like, watch, he'll just come out in, like, his full one-winged angel, like, bullshit, and then he'll get the extensions, you know? That's when you know he's serious. Do you think Kenny is almost a Tommy Dreamer, though? Do you think he is too humble to accept the championship of his own promotion? Like, in my opinion, I think you should have... Not fully, but I think Cody and Kenny should have been swapped. I think Kenny should have been pushed harder, and Cody should have been where Kenny is. Um, I think it would be more interesting, also, if Kenny had been the one to lose this... um, I'll never challenge for the belt again kind of thing idea. But like with with Cody it makes sense because that was the story was he'd never held it and now he never will. And like if he does he has to go mega heel. Kenny it's I Kenny I think it's not so much a thing of is he too humble. It'll, it'll just be a day where like Tony comes up to him and is just like it's time and Kenny will be like all right. Like it's just at this point it, the biggest problem with Kenny and the Bucks so far has been that they are willing to put the entire company before themselves because they realize that like if it they don't want another ring of honor situation everybody got mad at them but like i they fully understood that the reason why ring of honor didn't work when they left is because they were a ring of honor and they didn't want to do that for AEW because if they did then they were screwed i i, I see that but i i think it's almost paranoia because you say it's like, oh, putting the the company before themselves. At the end of the day, when the company started, the best thing would have been the Bucks. Especially for the like the tag division. The only thing people had seen from the AEW tag division, as far as amazing matches were, were them versus Lucha Bros. And I mean, we can talk ad nauseum about the fact that, yeah, I think Lucha Bros should have been the initial tag team champions. I mean, I know they... They have good matches, they have bad matches, but, like, Lucha Bros should have been shot to the fucking moon, and then they weren't. Yeah. Uh, it may have also been another thing where, like, uh, going along with this idea that they didn't want the spotlight, maybe that was their idea of playing it safe. I I think that there 
they're worried about a lot of things, which I can understand, you know, being closer to them in age than, you know, a lot of other ego-driven wrestlers. Like, I I know that they don't want to be seen as making themselves the main event. They whereas, don't want to Triple H ran a tear. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, their own merits and their own abilities put them there. You know? See, six-star tag team match. I think it's a matter of, like, yes, they're humble, but I think they're humble to a fault. I think they're humble to a fault of saying, like, I'm gonna... Even though I would be, like, the best person for that job, I'm gonna step back because I'm gonna let another people... Another person have that. And then it's, oh, these matches aren't as good. Like, I could have done something better. I'm gonna keep working on the undercard. Like, shit like that. I mean, if you look back at the last year, you can, like, 2020 vision it, but at the time, every pay-per-view they did, like, with the match that Kenny would do, with the match that the Bucks would do, was quality. Like, oh, yes, it may not have been for the title, but that made the title matches important as well. So they flattened the curve. Instead of it being, like, you need to watch this pay-per-view for one match it was you need to watch this pay-per-view for like at least half these matches and like it's about the storylines and sometimes it's like you said the reason why the tag belts are are freaking locked up for the next year is because it has to be part of that storyline and so they used it for different storylines instead of just omega versus moxley that didn't need the belt that was fucking insane the bucks versus the lucha brothers that didn't need the belts that shit was insane and then when it is for the belts, when you get Paige and, and Kenny versus the Bucks, then it's even better. Like, it, there's a, I, it's a, a trust the system kind of thing. Like, even I have a hard time. But, like, unlike NXT, where I am left, like, scratching my head, even the things I don't like about AEW, I can at least see that somebody has, like, a track laid down. Like, in, even in the faintest things, like, the Cole Cabana thing is finally coming together. He's, like, fully embraced the Dark Order. And that's such a cool storyline. Like, because he's not a culty about it, it's still Colt Cabana? It's just Colt Cabana wrestling with them? Also, their match against SCU, really fucking good. Stu Grayson is a really goddamn good wrestler. Oh, I don't know I if he loves uses it. Yeah. I, I so, yeah. what you're saying is that Colt isn't being culty. Cult no, Cabana. It's, it's, he has a new shirt now. It says it has Doom Doom, and then the O in Colt is like slightly faded, so it looks like Colt Cabana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this is the last thing I'll say on it. I think I brought this up in our chat, too. I think AEW needs more pay-per-views, because at this point, every single bit of storytelling feels like long-term storytelling, because there's nothing to break it up. It just feels like, ah, we'll throw a random thing in the middle here, as opposed to, you could build up a whole lot more people if you had more pay-per-views in there. And I understand, like, we're in a year where it's gonna be hard to throw in additional pay-per-views, but, like... It's it's like I told you, it's four and four. It's four TV pay-per-views, four real pay-per-views. And, like, the titles actually changed at that. Like, the freaking, the boat had one. This one isn't because of the uh the pandemic but like the next one probably will like so it'll all and all it'll take is is them to just time it right for one there'll be like one tv pay-per-view where like the world title changes hands and then guess what you'll watch every goddamn one from that point on won't you yeah i remember the first episode the first episode of Dynamite I missed was literally the episode where Hangman and Kenny fucking won the titles. And I was like, son of a bitch! Yep. Like I said, it's... That's why I thought That's why I thought the, the Bucks were gonna... Or the, the best friends were gonna win it. Was because I was like, this'll be the... Like, it's it's there. And for the love of God, they're not even a year in. Yeah. Like, their one-year anniversary is in three months. It's a little buck wild to realize that I've been booking wrestling longer than Tony Khan has. <laughs> yeah, but do you get paid to do it? Technically, yes. Patreon.com slash a load of BS. Anyways, that's what I learned this week. What'd you guys learn? Um, 
I I I learned that I despite what I say I do really care about AEW and I want it to to do well because I feel like it's the the kind of wrestling that wrestling needs for the business to like expand. Um I learned that raised lettering is death to a championship belt. It really is. Do you if you look at the old belts from like from like the territory days, man, like there's a couple there. Yeah, it was like, 3D doesn't need to be in everything, is all I'm saying. Have you guys, I'm sorry, I'll, this last thing. Have you seen the New South Pro Championship? It's the size of Dylan's torso. <laughs> it's a fucking massive belt. And I can't remember, some other guy was like trying to, he was asking like, what kind of belt do you want for your company? He goes, I want it ten times bigger than the New South belt. Fuck, that is a big fucking belt. Yeah. And the guy who holds it lives in Gadsden, Alabama. Blake, let's go steal it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Road tripping. All right, where can people find you on the internet? Go follow Serpentico. <laughs> follow go Serpentico. Follow, go follow the snake guy. Dude's a legit wrestler. He brings his own streamers. Cool gimmick. Nice mask. It's gr- it's growing on me, dude. It's growing on me. I understand. You can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me at the Darkroom Vidya on YouTube. And you can find me here on the BS Network doing shows like Fight Boys or A Load of BS or Soon to Be Deviant again. Yeah, baby. And you can find me on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. If you got a podcast and you need a guest, let me on it, because I'm trying to break the world record for most podcast appearances in a single year. And I can't do that without other podcasts letting me on. So let me do that at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Find all the other BS Network programming, like Blake was talking about, online at a load of purebs.com, including... JWF Monday Night Ignition. We've <laughs> been going longer than AEW, baby. Fight me, Tony. <laughs> oh, special thanks to Mega Ran for our theme song, Fighters. Go check Mega Ran out. Give him all your support and love like we do every single day. And support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash a load of BS, or pick up your merch at merch dot a load of pure bs dot com we're hopefully gonna have masks up soon actually not masks they're net gators so it just covers <laughs> your whole face but i'm very excited about them <laughs> and as always you can find us at a load of pure bs dot com step up to the merch table at merch dot a load of pure bs dot com find us on facebook donate to the patreon subscribe on YouTube, and remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boy Show Serpentico, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life!